The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, good morning, Covenant Church. How are you doing? Good. Happy New Year to to everybody here. Jacob, thank you for reading the text for us and for praying for our time together this morning. And so as uh, Jacob briefly said, my name's Heath Zuniga. My family and I moved here six months ago from Ohio to Kissimmee to start the first PCA church in Osceola County. And the thing about that drew us to Kissimmee was that we had this desire to start a PCA church in the middle of the Hispanic community. So we will be using both English and Spanish in the different programs that we do in our Bible studies and on Sunday morning. And so we are six months into that and we are just really excited, really excited to, to start a Bible study with five different families later this month, Lord willing. And so uh, I thought that it would be fitting this morning that we would talk about work and that we would examine from the biblical account and the creation account of of this foundation that, that the Lord sets before us for our work. I mean, it's precisely for our work that I'm standing here before you today, that we moved across the country and that we're examining this, this, this scripture text this morning. And especially in light of one year ending and another year begin, you might have different dreams and desires. You might have have different hopes and aspirations for what 2022 will look like. And maybe even just dreams and desires from just the standpoint of work. I mean, work is such a significant part of your life or it has been a significant part of your life if you are a retiree. And this morning, as we think about our dreams and desires, we often realize that not too far behind these dreams and desires, tethered to them often are anxiety, uncertainty, fear. We just don't know what this year has in store for us. And so what I'm wanting us to do is for us to return to this biblical foundation of what the Lord says about our work and that God would use this morning to strengthen our faith, that he would use this morning to show us the true person of Jesus, his promises that are true to us in 2022 today, just as they were last year. And so this morning, as we saw in the text, we're looking at the creation account of Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. And in here, we see that we were made to work. Humanity was made to work. It's, in fact, it's a, a part of what it means for us to be created in the image of God, because God is a creator. And as we said in our confession this morning, that God is creator and we, humanity, is creation. And so, since we are created in his image, it is in our DNA, the fabric of our DNA, for us to work. And yet, so often, if we're honest with ourselves, that work feels like this necessary evil, doesn't it? Doesn't it at all all feel like this necessary evil, something that we have to do? It feels, at least experientially, that work for us is a result of the fall. 
Doesn't it feel like that sometimes, that work is a result of the fall? But of course, we, see, we know that, that it's not, that work was clearly given to mankind, given to us before the fall. It's given to us here in Genesis chapter two, and the fall doesn't come until Genesis chapter three. But truth be told that, that we do have a different relationship with our work today than man did in the text. For us today, since we're on the other side of the fall, work, it frustrates us. It overwhelms us. And, and we couldn't describe in our text, Genesis 2, beginning in chapter or verse 15, that work had frustrated or overwhelmed man and woman yet. It, it hadn't because the fall hadn't occurred. So yes, we do have a different relationship with work today than man did in our text. And so considering all of this, I want us to ask the question is how does this text help us in light of our sometimes complicated relationship with work? The sometimes complicated relationship we have with work today, what does God want us to know from the, from the Genesis account of creation? And this is what our text tells us, friends. This is what it shares with us today. It tells us that we were made to work. We were made to work, yes, and yet we were made to work with limitations. That's what our text tells us today, that we were made to work, and yet we were made to work with limitations. And so our text, it kind of gives us these two competing visions for, for our work. It gives us this vision, this first vision of what, what work looks like as biblical stewardship. And then secondly, it talks to us about what, works, what work looks like as exploitation. So work as stewardship and then work as exploitation. What happens when we, when we try to work without these divinely imposed limitations that God gives us? We end up exploiting our work. So that's what we're gonna talk about first. And, and so first we'll look at stewardship. In verses 15 through 16, this is what it says. I'll read it again. It's, it's short. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying that you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it. For, if, for in the day you eat, it, uh, eat of it, you shall surely die. So after the Lord God plants a garden in Eden, he takes man and he puts him there in that garden to work it, to keep it. And here, man is invited to cultivate something that ultimately belongs to God. It doesn't belong to him. It ultimately belongs to God. And yet God is entrusting the working and the keeping of the garden of Eden to man. Man is a steward. Man is supervising and overseeing. He's taking care of something that ultimately isn't his. So stewardship is this kind of this word that we often kind of use in church, but what exactly does stewardship mean? And so our beginning point for this definition, it means, right, as, as I've already said, that we, are, we care for something that ultimately isn't ours. This is how the biblical account lays out this definition of stewardship, to care for something that ultimately isn't ours. 
But for us, I don't want us to end here with this definition and understanding of of stewardship. I want us to look at the context, look at the context of the creation account. And to consider this, that the garden in Eden isn't just this botanical or beautiful topiary garden. It is a royal garden. The Garden of Eden is this royal garden filled with the presence of God. It is a sanctuary. Eden is a sanctuary filled with the presence of God. And since Eden is this royal garden, this sanctuary, the pattern for man's work as a gardener who tended to the ground, it does include caring for something that ultimately isn't his, but it includes more than that. It includes more than that. The biblical scholar Desmond Alexander, and we have this quote, if we could put that up on the screen, he says this about, uh, about, our, our, about work. He says, productive work is part of God's purpose for man in creation. And moving, looking ahead at an account in Numbers chapter three, these verbs work and keep are used together of the work undertaken by the priests and the Levites in the tabernacle. Thus, man's role is not only to be a gardener, but also to be a guardian. That as a priest, man is to maintain the sanctity of the garden. So man's work in the Garden of Eden, it is this priestly work. It is this, the work of keeping, of, of, of guarding. And Desmond Alexander, he continues, and he says later in Numbers chapter 3, we, we fast forward ahead in the Pentateuch a little bit, and later in Numbers chapter 3, it's on the screen, we see this text. And this is the Lord who is speaking to Moses. It says, bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister to him. They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting. And as they minister at the tabernacle, they shall guard all of the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. And so the point here is that Moses was to appoint Levites to the service of the priesthood. And these Levites would serve and minister in the tabernacle of the Lord. Their job description, the job description of the Levites was to maintain the sanctity of the tabernacle, this portable temple. You see, after the fall, God, after Adam and Eve blew it in Genesis 3, God so badly wanted to dwell and be with his people that he gave his people instructions that they would build this portable tent, this tabernacle, so that as they travel from Egypt to the promised land, God's presence would go with them. And that's a, that was a big responsibility for the Levites to maintain the sanctity of this tabernacle. They would guard it from intruders. They took special care of the contents of, their tab- of the tabernacle. This was their work to keep, to guard. And so the point of all of this really is that we see just how foundational our account is 
Genesis 2 verses 15 through 17 is for the rest of the scriptures and even how it shapes the work of the Levites, how it shapes and informs the way that we work today. Really, our text is just foundational to how we view work. We can't escape this creation account no matter how hard we try, it is just so foundational for us in understanding what work means for us today. It is so applicable to what we do today. And so as we're talking about this, this kind of my first point as, as work as stewardship, stewardship, right, means that we're invited to cultivate something that ultimately belongs to God. This, this work of keeping, of guarding is so foundational to, to, to God's command to man in the Garden of Eden, that man was to guard, he was to keep. And if you think about it, we, we guard things that we find value in, don't we? we? We guard things that are worth guarding. We guard and protect things that are worth protecting. The things that we treasure are the, th- the very things that we work to keep and, and to guard. And so God entrusts to us, when we talk about stewardship, he entrusts to us and asks us to work in such a way that would bless humanity, that we would conduct our work in such a way that people made in his image would be better off as a result of how we work, of the work that we do, that people, image bearers would flourish because God has called you to a specific job and a specific work to do. And that people would flourish as you work, that we would be able to work in such a way that is magnetic, that is attractive, that we would love image bearers in the way that we work, in the work that we do. We would love image bearers. That's what it means for us to work as stewards, that our work would be this opportunity for us to love our neighbor, to love our colleagues, that we would use our work in order that people would flourish. And so wherever there are image bearers present, you and I have this opportunity to do meaningful and productive work that is pleasing to God. I'll say that again, that wherever image bearers are present, you and I have this opportunity to use our work, to work in such a way that people would flourish, that people would be better off as a result of the work that you do that we have this opportunity to, that wherever image bearers are present, the church, the people of God can use our work in order that people might be loved. They might be known. They might hear about the gospel of Jesus. And so the question that I want all of us to think about and, and consider this morning is that can you know the world and still love it? Can you know the world that is filled with the Imago Dei, that is filled with image bearers and still love it? 
What I mean by that is, can you look out into the world and see how broken and how messed up things are and yet still love image bearers? Can you look out and know the chaos of the world and still love it? Can you work out and see all of the the calamity that is caused by, by sin and still love it? Can you love people that are different than you? Can you love people that are hard to love? People with different political affiliations or even different kind of religious compasses. Can you look out? Can you know the world and still love it? The world that is filled with the Imago Dei, that is filled with image bearers. Can you know that world and still love it? And so I'm tempted just to kind of end here, but if, we, if I did, I wouldn't be setting us up well for us just to kind of go from here and work. Because in our text, immediately after the Lord places man in the garden to work and to keep and to protect, after, immediately after the Lord says, hey, you know, you are my steward, go work and keep the garden. The Lord says this to man. I'll read it again, beginning in verse 16. It says, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good of evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Friends, we were made to work. Yes. It is part of our DNA. It is part of being an image bearer of the God Almighty. We were made to work, but we were also made to work with limitations given to us by God. And the limitation is this, is that you and I are not God. We are creation. God is creator. We are not all powerful. We are not all knowing. We are not able to fix anything and everything. And if you look at the scriptures, God never calls humanity to be all powerful or all knowing or to be able to fix anything and everything. These are limitations that we have being God's creation, being image bearers is that we have these limitations that yes, we were made to work, but yes, we were also made to work within these divinely imposed limitations that God gives us. So God says work, yes, but work knowing that you are not God, that you and I are not God that God gives us these divinely imposed limitations in verses 16 and 17 to remind us that we are finite, that we are humanity, that we are frail, that we are fallen, but God is not. And so work when we, so when we, when we forget that, that God has given us these divinely imposed limitations, when we forget that he's architected the world and set it up in this way, and when we work believing and thinking that we are God, we exploit our work. We exploit our work. Exploitation happens when we work believing that these divinely imposed limitations don't apply. 
We, we exploit our work and, and we, we misuse our work. We, we ask our work to do things that it was not meant to do. We ask our work to, to, to do things and to be our savior in a sense. And our work was never set up and designed by God Almighty to save us. That's what happens when we exploit our work. And so, because we live on this side of the fall, we have this complicated relationship with work. We, we twist work's arm and we, we ask it to do something that it was never meant to do and that it never can do for us. And so if you're here this morning and you have a complicated relationship with your work, if you're here this morning and you're asking your work to do things that it's not meant to do, if you're asking your work to bear the weight of your significance, I am glad you are here because I can identify with you. I know what that is like. I know what that is like to ask the work to, 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 to save, to save me. I ask, the work, I ask my work as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, right? To do things that it's not meant to do. I understand what that is like. And the truth is, is that the gospel is for exploiters like me and you. The gospel is for exploiters like me and you, folks like me and you who ask our work to do things that it's not meant to do. And so being here in worship is what we all need. We need the gospel. We need this biblical vision for our work set forth in the creation account. We need the text to reorient the way we view the world and we view ourselves. We need an opportunities regularly for confession and repentance, for opportunities to, to realign our hearts and our minds to the truth of scripture. We need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to apply the truth of the gospel to our hearts so that we'll stop exploiting our work. So we'll stop asking work to do the things that it's not meant to do. We need this, this time in worship. We need to gather regularly together as God's people to remind each other of the truth of, of the gospel, of the truth of who Jesus is and who he says we are in Christ. That he alone can bear the weight of our significance that work was never meant and designed to do that. That when our alarms go off tomorrow, before our feet hit the, hit the floor, we need to know that we are not our work. I need to know that I was not, I need to know tomorrow that I was not yesterday's sermon. I need to know that the work that I do throughout the week of meeting with people and, and showing hospitality and building new connections in, in the community and evangelism, it has limitations. I have limitations when I go out and do this work of, of planting a church. I need to know that I am not the Christ. We need to know that we are not the Christ. That God calls us to work, yes, but he calls us to work with these limitations. That before God calls us to go do, I just want to remind all of us that God calls us to be. 
Because this is how we move from being uh, an exploiter of work and, and, and asking work to do things that it's not meant to do. This is how we move from there to being a steward of our work. Someone who is not ultimately defined by what we do throughout the week. This is how we move from one to the other that before God calls us to go do, he calls us to be. I need to know that however I might be tempted to play the role of God throughout the week, that these longing and desires that I have, that I seek, that I look for are only able to be fulfilled in Christ. That Jesus Christ alone is the only one ever able to actually bear the weight of our significance. Jesus alone is only able to bear the weight of our significance. Not my wife, not my, not my family, not my kids, not even our work. No matter how much we love it, no matter how much we hate it, we need the gospel. We need to be reminded that as our alarm goes off tomorrow and we get ready for whatever it is the Lord has called us to do, that is the gospel that frees us to, to not be ultimately defined by our work. There's a quote I love by a theologian, uh, Frederick uh, Beekner that I've just been kind of thinking on and, and, and just thinking through what, how to apply that and what that means for me. And he says this, he says that the gospel strips us bare ultimately to clothe us. Say that again, the gospel strips us bare ultimately to clothe us. And as I thought about this, this is the truth of, of what the scriptures do. They, they strip us bare. They work as a mirror. They reflect the conditions of our heart. And it shows us often, for me at least, that it shows us that we go looking for love, for affirmation in all of the wrong places. We ask our work, our relationships, our family to bear the weight of our significance in ways that they were never designed to do. We go looking, longing for affirmation, longing for acceptance, longing to be fully known and fully loved. And what the gospel of Jesus Christ does is that it comes and it strips us bare. It leaves us naked. It shows us what is really there. It strips us bare, but then it clothes us. It strips us bare ultimately to clothe us that when you and I trust in the name of Jesus, when we trust in Christ, you aren't just forgiven of your sins and debts. That does happen. That is true. But the gospel is not just forgiveness of sins. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that the perfect standing of Jesus Christ before God the Father is now yours through faith in Christ that you have been clothed in these, these, these garments that the King Jesus has given to us in Christ, that you are clothed in his righteousness, that you get to wear the robes of our King Jesus, that you are clothed as God's beloved son and God's precious daughter. Your Jesus, he knows you fully right now as you sit there 
Jesus knows you fully and he loves you. He loves exploiters like me and exploiters like you. And what that does is that frees us because we no longer need to ask our work to bear the weight of our significance. It frees us to enjoy work and to fail and to make mistakes and to know that our work, we are not ultimately defined by our performance or track record of what we do Monday through Friday, nine to five. And so friends, the only way for us to move from an exploiter to a steward is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only in the gospel that can move us and change our hearts and reorient our our view of work to change us from being an exploiter to a steward. So when we ask ourselves this question, can you know the world and still love it? Can you know the world that is filled with the Omago Day, Omago Day that are broken, full of sin? Can you know that world and still love it? Can you love image bearers through the work that God has called you to do? When we ask ourselves that question, the only way that we will be able to say yes or aspire to say yes to that question or or move more towards saying yes, the only way that we'll be courageous enough, the only way that we'll be energized enough, the only way that we will be faithful enough is to know that our desires, the deepest desires, the longings of our hearts, the places in our lives that we go looking for affirmation and acceptance, the only place that we can truly have all of that met without fail is in Christ alone. Let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you for this time this morning, God, I, Lord, pray for, for us as we, as we leave this place, as you have called us to specific tasks and specific work in your kingdom, Father, that we would be able to operate more and more, Lord, with this, this lens and this understanding of work as stewards, And Father, when we inevitably fail, would you remind us, Lord, that the gospel is big enough, that our sin might be great. It is great, that your grace is greater. Father, would you remind us of that, Lord, when we we slip, when we stumble, when we fall? Would you remind us of, of your grace, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, transforming us, changing our hearts, renewing our minds. So Father, that we may use our work to love image bearers, to love our neighbor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.